Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in because this is really going to be a great show. My guest today is Joe Spurley. He is the president and owner of Spurley Sports Consulting and Coaching. He's also the author of The Athlete's Guide to Success, A Roadmap to Becoming a Champion. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you, Marcia. It's great to uh, have me on. Well, I'm delighted to have you join me, and I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about yourself, but before I do, I think it's always great People could go, Joe Spurley. Gee, I wonder how he spells that. So I'm going to spell that for you so you can find his website very easily. So it's Joe, just the way you would think. And his last name without a space is Spurley. And that is spelled S-P-E-R-L-E, joesperly.com. So I'll make sure that I mention that again, Joe, as we move through this um, um, podcast together. But now that we've linked our voices and it's batter up, we're taking the afternoon off, um, I thought you could just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you. Yes. Well, I have uh, have 40 years of uh, sports playing and professional baseball coaching experience and founded the Freedom Pro Baseball minor league in Phoenix, Arizona, signing over 200 talented college players to the first pro contract and uh, had over 400 uh, players that individually coached in baseball that uh, went on to play in college and 48 of those were drafted by major league baseball teams. Wow, that's pretty cool. Did you play baseball when you were growing up? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a great sport. I, my my dearly um, past husband, I still have his baseball glove, my house, and I know what sports meant in my family. And not everybody is going to make that their career, but it certainly is something that joins us all together as families. Whether it's hardball baseball, whether it's softball with your girls, whether it's t-ball, which which is where it really started for me and my son. Um, so I love the sport, and I am a season ticket holder to the Dodgers since 1986. So you're talking my language, my friend. So when we talk about sports, I'm curious to know about you now. So who were your teachers and coaches? that made a big impact on your life? Well, there was, there was Michael Hall was a big impact as a sixth-grade teacher that I had in, in growing up in Sacramento, California. That was a, a really good uh, in teacher communicator, and he was also a Phi Ed uh, coach and would run intramural games after school and was a big uh, part of, of you know helping me in the classroom to bring out the best of me and also – of uh, doing a lot of, uh, you know, different 
sporting events afterwards with you know football, baseball, basketball, soccer. We would do after, and then I would I would many times just stay with him after school and throw the football or kick the soccer ball. So he he was a real impact and mentor and really brought out the best in his students to work hard and 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 use their you know their, their mind and and have a lot of perseverance skills. And then on the baseball side, a big impact for me was Gil Patterson, who was the New York Yankees draft pick. And then uh, ended up having five shoulder and three elbow surgeries because mm. back then they they didn't uh, know as much as they know now. So they they had pitched uh, overworked and and then went on to be a pitching coach. And uh, I had him as instructional camp, and we stayed close after that. And really was a a, a great um, just communicator. And and both of these men were were men that really had. Uh, some parts of them that really cared as coaches. I think that's a big part that uh, we need to be as as a coach is also caring and, and wanting to see that, you know, the, the, give them the best things they can and, and watch them, uh, you know, succeed. And the other interesting fact that to find out later in life that all three of us have similar um, family dysfunctionalism with, uh, you know, things happening with uh, parents and so forth. So it, it uh, it's kind of interesting how that ended up uh, coming to to that they were those type of coaches that really made an impact, but also had um, been through some similar tribulations that I had with uh, as a child with with the parents. That's that's really interesting. I worked for the Y for many years, and I could see what would happen when these parents, men, fathers, mothers, would come into the gymnasium with their kids. And what that meant, you could see it. You could see it all over their faces. It was a bond. And um, gosh, you know, now I, you know, I said bond, and, and did I think of Barry Bonds? Okay, never mind. But you know, <laughs> I've been, I've been following the sport a long time. And while I never played, oh, that's not, not true. I actually played when I was in junior high school. I played softball. I forgot that. But I, my dad was a little league coach. My brother played high school through bat baseball through high school and some in college. So I, I really appreciate what sports means to families. And with that being said, what's going on today in sports for school age kids? I think sports has changed a lot from what you were just talking about. You know, as as years ago, it was you you played in community, you know, YMCA, um, little league, you know, uh, pop Warner football. There was there was a lot of youth organizations, and now it's it's kind of uh, totally changed in in that those kind of have died off, and we have just about for every sport there's uh, tournament teams or travel teams that they call them that, that the yes. boys and girls will play on even starting at age six now and seeing that they have these tournament teams where they'll they'll a lot of times have tryouts for them and then they'll select them and then they'll maybe practice once or twice a week and then they will they'll go play in these tournaments which there's good parts and, and bad parts you know you, you mm-hmm. are getting to be out there playing um the tough part that happens is is that a lot of times they're they're not developing by just playing in these um, tournaments and, and and sometimes they just they don't practice during the week because some of the kids don't live in the community. That's where the community games are always a lot was a lot more on the development side and social skills. I think uh, and more camaraderie was taught then uh, in those communities than there is uh, now. It seems to be more 
that it's it's playing on the tournament teams. A lot of the parents have the, have a, uh, a big goal of, of obtaining a college scholarship for the, their son or daughter. Right. It's 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 very interesting. Aspirations are you know. Um, I have family in Michigan, and the, the big sport in Michigan is hockey, and wanting to play hockey when you're young right. and then when you go on to high school and college and maybe you don't end up being a hockey player but you end up being a referee you know there's so many different things and from a parent's perspective I was in charge of the snack stand I know that sounds really silly to say this but sports was very social not just for our kids and their abilities but also for our families, as families, it really united communities beautifully. And not everybody went on to be successful in sports, but that doesn't mean they don't love the game. And I think that that's also, you never know where that love of the sport might lead you professionally, which I also think is really, really important. It's, I, um, you know, it's it's too bad that, you know, that, some kids are not getting into sports today as much as they might have. But what advice would you give to our listeners who have children playing sports? You know, I, I think there's you know, quite a bit of things that I mentioned in the book. One for sure is is that um, specializing in one sport that is kind of out there right now that sometimes the tournament teams and, you know, other coaches are are talking about that um, usually doesn't work to just play one sport, you know, almost year round thinking that you're going to specialize that will then make you better to make your high school team and then have a college, you know, scholarship opportunity and then to play professionally, you know, Mm -hmm. that the the statistics that show that, you know, like in the NFL draft in 2018, 226 of the 256 players drafted uh, all played more than one sport in youth and in high school. So I think that that's a, a thing that, that's out there that a lot of parents have to understand. And then also trying to give their, their children, you know, opportunities. And then they play two sports at once where they'll, they'll play soccer and baseball at the same time. And, and, you know, it's just too much that it's, it's physically and mentally burning out, you know, the, the, the children and their, and their schoolwork effects, which I've always you know, still that that the school grades should come first and sports second, um, because that's that's going to open more doors for your life in college, no matter no matter what uh, you know, continue to play sports. But I think that you know that that's very important to understand, and and that you know it's it's sports is still a game. It, it's it, these children nowadays are feeling so much pressure, and for them to just enjoy the fun, like you mentioned about the snack bar. I mean, for the kids just to run to the snack bar after the game and just they they don't care what the score is. They forget about the score (laughs) where a lot of times the parents continue to talk in the, in the car ride home. And I always, I wrote a chapter in the book about what parents should do. Just enjoy the moment and, you know, not, not put that pressure. You know, we obviously parents, we want to, we want to motivate and guide our children and want to want to see the best for them. But sometimes being, overbearing and wanting them to try so much and then wanting to excel and putting that pressure um, really does, uh, you know, it, it, that path that, that doesn't usually work to, to do that, to, to specialize in one sport. You know, it's interesting because ego gets involved here too, doesn't it? Because dad was a really good baseball player in high school and 
Now Bobby comes along and is like, come on, man. Catch the ball. Why are you throwing with your left hand? You don't. You're not left-handed. You know. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that happen, and and it's generational. You know, grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. So, um, I think that what exactly. you said was really interesting to not play two sports simultaneously, but it's not a bad idea to be athletic in more than one sport if i understood you correctly was that right what you said yeah you you know you you should play other sports but just not two at once you know so correct you play you know a lot of times you know years ago when i was a kid we played football in the fall then we played basketball in the winter and then baseball in the spring and summer right so that you know that was a good system and you know they we didn't have the tournament teams and and we didn't have coaches telling us you know asking us to come play you know in the, in the fall on a on a fall baseball team we just would focus on playing football you know uh, and and then at the end we were excited to play football at the time you know early and then by the end of you know the season we were tired of football and and we went on to basketball so you know I I loved all three sports and, you know, had, had mm-hmm. a huge passion for baseball. But if I would have played just one of those sports year-round, I would have been totally, you know, lost the passion and just been sure. out. I think that, that you have to have passion and still be having fun to, uh, you know, enjoy the sports rather than, you know, trying to, you know, specialize in one and play 11 months a year, which, as I mentioned earlier, creates a lot of overuse and study issues, especially in baseball with throwing issues, you know, and oh, of course sure. running with soccer Shoulders. and basketball, the, the problem with mm-hmm. the knees and the ankles, and a lot of a lot of people are getting overuse injuries that are requiring surgery or are actually coming to the point where they have to, you know, uh, not play anymore because they've had so much damage to, to their body and mm-hmm. they've had surgeries, you know. But I think there's more... Uh, surgeries that are taking place now to the use starting at age 10 and 11, you know, for, for the arm injuries, which is really, really sad to, to hear that. It is. It is. And I, I love what you said just a few moments ago, Joe, and I wrote this down because I think it's so important. And what you said is, remember, sports is still a game. I love that. So let yeah. me ask you, because uh, I think that's important. So what Very do you important. think it is? What do you think is the missing link to advance playing sports in today's competitive sports world? What's what what might be missing? The the big one of the big missing links is a is a mentor and personal coach who has been down the road that the boy or girl wants to go and can help them navigate that that you know that tough road that untraveled road and be there for them to talk with and coach them and also for the parents it's a big sounding board to have somebody that has the experience that you can go to because a lot of times when the when the boys or girls are playing and they have a high school tournament coach they really can't go to them and talk to them and they many times don't have uh, a lot of experience you know as I do to help them play in college and professionally. So finding somebody that, that, you know, has the experience communicates and knows how to develop with results and really cares about the, the boy or the girl and wants them to succeed and, and reach their potential 
and have positive life developing experiences i think is is very key that we we want in sports to be that instead of sometimes having negative uh, you know life developing experiences i've heard many times even from parents that i've um you know done individual instruction with their with their boys they would tell me share some of their um uh, stories that that uh, were very you know, uh, detrimental to them playing again, and they, mm-hmm. and they still had uh, some some emotional issues from that. Uh, so I think I would highly recommend for the for the uh, listeners to find a mentor and and really um, start to reach out to them and and uh, have have them on on your side and can help navigate it. Because you don't if if you have a son or daughter that that you've never had go through the sports systems in, in the world today. It's very hard to navigate that world. And I know there's listeners listening and I read a lot of Facebook of different groups that they, they really are kind of asking for help uh, from different you know moms or whatever. There's some groups and, and really it comes down to, to having that mentor that that's been down that path that you're trying to to go. I think that's such a terrific idea, and you bring so much experience, Joe, to this topic. I, I, I'm interested in hearing about the fact that you founded the Freedom Pro Baseball Minor League in Phoenix. I believe it was in 2012. What 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 was that all about? We're talking ten years yeah, ago, huh? Yeah, that was a real. It was interesting. It was it was you know 40 years of my life. Uh, of playing sports and then coaching uh, and then having some of the uh, players that I coached, as I mentioned earlier, went on and and played in college over 400 and then um, over uh, 48 of those were drafted is that uh, some of them just needed an opportunity after that. They weren't, they weren't developed in college or they were released uh, by a major league baseball team, and they seemed to uh, need some more development and needed an opportunity. I think, I think the big thing in a lot of uh, the world we live in, especially sports, is is you just are, are looking for an opportunity. So I, I I was following independent minor league baseball for many years. It started back in the 90s with with the St. Paul Saints and uh, uh, with Mike Beck, who used to be the Chicago White Sox owner and and then they had a a team in Fargo the Red Hawks I started to uh, follow that and and it just kind of all came together as I was in Phoenix and and working and I I, uh, you know said I was just going to do one team and I said why don't we start our own league and and use the uh, Giants and A's and Mariners and Padres and Indians Reds spring training beautiful stages when they set vacant after they leave in April so so we uh, you know Three or three or many years just was you know putting it all together and and then uh, I remember that that first day of signing 88 players you know many of them to the first pro contract at the San Francisco Giants Stadium in Scottsdale there and, and just had a stack of contracts and they're lined up you know just waiting to come in because we only had we had to get things signed the next day with well starting the first games and have an opening day so it, it was something I wish I had a video of but just to, just to see the the uh, players' faces. One in particular that was really, uh, uh, I'd, all, I'd, I'd sit them down and I'd tell them to read over the contract, you know, look at the W, fill out the W-4, and if they had any questions, that uh, ask me. And, and one uh, community college player came in and, and I said, here's the contract. And he said, 
you know, I, I don't need to uh, read it over. He said, I've been dreaming of playing, and, and you're the only one that's given me an opportunity to play, and uh, I'll play for a Snickers bar. So I said, oh, uh, we'll, we'll, make it a, we'll make it a king-size one then, I said. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, yeah. I want to ask you, and I, and I think I know the answer to this, but if you are playing in the minors, you are still considered a professional. You are being you you are paid for playing in the minors. It's not like the only people right. that get played. So these this minor league was really the impetus that started these players in the minor leagues to get this experience, to have that shot at being pulled up to the majors. Not all minor leaguers go up, do they? I would think not. No, there's a, there's a real. You know, low percentage. I think it's somewhere in the, even seven percent or lower. But yeah, so the, these players. I wanted to sign players that were right out of college, or some had been released by minor league affiliated teams with major league baseball teams that were either injured or you know were just kind of at the end of the rope with the organization thought and, and released them. And, and I and I had some players that I had worked with that I saw had the ability, but there wasn't, there was some missing development on the side. So, um, yeah, these, these players were all paid just a little bit less than what they would be playing like in a rookie minor league team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were drafted, you know, and they were, they were all, uh, you know, put in hotels when we were traveling and, and we did have a team in Prescott. So, uh, yeah, they're all like a lot of years ago, you used to hear people say it's semi-pro baseball. Well, if you're getting, paid no matter if it's you know 500 a month you're still a professional baseball player and you're a professional athlete that you're receiving compensation for um you know you're you're playing the sport so yeah these were all guys that were were very a lot of more overlooked talented players that really were at the end of their they're hoping to be drafted so this was uh an opportunity alternative for them and of course getting getting the play in the beautiful stadiums and you know like you mentioned Barry Bonds I mean that we were in when the Giants left in 2012 Bruce Bochy and the Barry you know um, where Barry Bonds used to have his locker and right. Buster Posey and all those these some of these guys uh, had had their lockers yeah so I wanted what you go from from playing four years college baseball not being drafted now you're in these beautiful major league stadiums and, and you've got Buster Posey's locker yeah oh isn't that so yeah. cool can you? I can. Yeah. I can only imagine how how cool that is. Did you have a sort of an inspiration that got this all going with your vision of what you wanted to see happen with this? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it just came from the years of, of playing sports, uh, you know, baseball, basketball, and football, and then just seeing, uh, you know, the, the the way to to go about it in the, in the development side. Um, you know, something that it's, it's a hard thing to develop athletes, but I, I have been able to do that and, and have been able to communicate and show them and improve their skills. So the inspiration was from all, you know, my life and, and going along and not having support system was to, you know, um, have that inspiration to show these players and develop them and give them that opportunity. Like I said, I wish I had a video of that first 88 players contracts just to, to have that to look at it. It was the, the the expressions and the fit. I mean, some of them, I don't even think they touched the ground when they were leaving my office. They were so excited. and happy. I I can imagine that. Sure. I can imagine that. 
Um, I'm I'm looking at your book um, as we're speaking, and just to remind all of you, if you go to j o e s p e r l e dot com, you will actually see the copy of your book, which we're going to talk about now. And what I realize as I'm looking at this is that this photo on the cover of your book is representing all sports. And I I don't think I ever really focused on that, Joe, until just now, that while you certainly have a background in baseball, this is really a guide, and I really like the way you've written it, an athlete's guide to success, a roadmap to becoming a champion. And I think that this is really great, and I thought that we could we could talk about your book now. And you write, you mentioned a little earlier um, that um, about your family, and and you and you write a little bit about your life in in your young days. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that experience with your family? Yeah, it was. Uh... It, uh, my mom was from Scotland and came over to the States uh, when she was, you know, in her early 20s. And then uh, my dad was a, a farmer uh, from North Dakota, so they ended up meeting. My dad was was uh, a World War II vet, so he had he had some World War II emotional scars. And one of the things they had the farmers do was to drive the, the mass units, so he had a lot of, you know, uh, emotional trauma picking up all the you know wounded soldiers and my mom mm-hmm. was a talented athlete and actually had, had swam the English channel but you know back in those days they would they would look for female talented athletes because the, the female athlete can withstand the cold and then she attempted to, to do it and, and made 16 miles which is pretty incredible but the water became too wavy and cold but but uh you know, I, I was real active in playing sports, and, and uh, she really started to learn to love to, to watch uh, baseball on TV with being A's and then the Giants being from Sac- Sacramento. And then and when I was 11, I had the huge uh, traumatic experience of finding her past in her sleep, which was real, real tough. Oh, my uh, goodness. Uh, you know, I'm so me sorry. And, and uh, not having, having that, and then my dad... Had be, had become also disabled with diabetes, so he was he was after that he was really in a tough uh, you know physical and emotional mm-hmm. state. So it was kind of at that point, I kind of took over and just really kind of raised myself and my younger brother. And then uh, five four or five years later, he, he had a, a, a went into a coma from low blood sugar, and then uh, got a call from him, and they took him to the hospital, and then uh, said they they really couldn't do much for him, but he was. You know, good thing he was a veteran, so they had put him in a veteran's hospital where he he stayed, and uh, then he passed there. So it was kind of at age 13 I had to like you know grow up quick and learn how to you know be take care of myself. And so uh, sports was oh, a big wow. part for me of that to to uh, stay on the baseball fields and basketball and football fields to uh, you know not think about that and just enjoy. Uh, Kind of getting away from that that uh, home life that was very, you know, dysfunctional and, and not supporting. You know, it, uh, it it kept me, you know, going in a straight path. That's why I think sports is really important to uh, if it's you know done in the right way to to give the self esteem, you know, the discipline and, and uh, you know give you something to look look forward to. So, yeah, it was it was a uh, I say it was like. My life was like climbing Mount Everest with no shoes on in the winter. Wow. 
that's really tough. I, I yeah, it was. I can't. I can't imagine at that young of an age losing both of your parents, and it now becomes um, more interesting to me why and you became so actively involved in your sports. So I think is this the first book that you've written? Yes. So why did why did you decide to write this guidebook? I, I wrote it to to really help uh, athletes and their parents and even grandparents, uh, you know, understand um, you know the roadmap of what it takes to continue to play, advance, develop, um, you know, have the opportunity to reach your potential, play in high school, and you know, with with a great uh, you know, and the ultimate goal obviously is is playing college and then professionally. Um, and I saw, you know, so many uh, players that I'd worked with, you know, like I mentioned, over 400, and, and I had, you know, hundreds of, of little leaguers, and then, you know, besides, you know, the, of the 400, but many, you know, some didn't quite have the ability or, or they didn't continue to play, um, you know, have have great experiences, but then they also kind of went down a path of, of playing on teams that they weren't getting to play much or uh, weren't developing and uh you know they ended up not playing so it uh it, it's something that the parents and, and grandparents and, and athletes need to really know you know that i have uh in the book i put a roadmap that that's had a high percent success rate of of continuing to play and develop and have, like I said earlier, a positive life developing experiences. I think that that's what, what sports was, was initially started from years ago was to have the fun and have the camaraderie, you know, and instead of now of it being, you know, so competitive and it's, you know, win at all costs, I think. And, and as a parent, you, you really, you don't have, if you haven't had a son or daughter go through it, it's a, it's a very uh, un, untraveled, tough road. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and so here's the word you've left out, but let's put this in now. And so competitive. Yes. It is Very so competitive. competitive. I remember, um, I'm older than you, but I, I can remember the the star athletes when I was in high school. We We even had a gymnastics program at our high school. And between and 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 then when the yearbook would come out, you'd be pictured on the sports team with the gymnastics team. And oh, wait a minute. Then okay, so oh, did you play baseball? Oh, then you're on the baseball team. And oh, you're on the, you know, and and that was um, so important. And I can still tell you to this day um, who those athletes were. And um, I think there was a lot of pressure on them. Um, that, you know, I don't know that that's true or not, but I suspect that there was a lot of pressure on them. You, you don't want to be the one that gives up the, the home run to lose the game, or you don't want to be the one that you're the quarterback and your, and your pass gets intercepted and there's your sport, you know, you're done. You know, there's a, there's a lot of competition in here. And then not to mention, there's only so many players on a team and you want to go to, you know UCLA and play baseball or you want to go to U of A where my son is associated and you want to play on the sports teams there you know there's only so many spaces you all have to try out and boy you better be prepared if that tryout 
doesn't go well. I mean, I don't know if you if you talk about that in your book. Do you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do talk about you know the the um, you know the com- the competitiveness and also you know of, of having a coach that uh, you know will guide you and in, in, in looking for the coaches that, that you're playing in college for in the sport so that they they are not at the win at all costs you know it it, it does uh, has changed so much now to where it 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 was competitive years ago like you said but it wasn't there, there wasn't as many playing on tournament teams and travel teams which you know then their whole goal a lot of the number one goal is to continue to play with the, with the aspirations of playing in high school and then hopefully college and professionally so when you put that many more you know out there playing uh, competitively in these tournaments that you know usually back years ago you just play in, in leagues and games there wasn't other than a year in tournament there was but now in these sports there's tournaments every weekend and they give out you know prizes and and individual rings now in baseball so so that's when you go into these games there's a whole lot uh, more pressure definitely that that the anxiety and i think uh is a common thing i also talk about the mental aspect i think that a lot of parents aren't aware that you you really need to have somebody coaching you on the mental skills um, to handle the anxiety and, and pressure, you know, because a lot of you hear a lot of parents say, "Well, you know, he does really well in practice, but then in games he can't hit, or in basketball he can't make a shot, but he doesn't miss in practice." And you know, in the right. same way with soccer, you know, soccer, he, he, she does really well in, in practice and she's making goals, and then she gets in the game and she can't make a goal. You know, it's because of the the game pressure and anxiety and, and pressure that. They've worked on their physical skills, but they haven't worked on the mental training to to understand how to handle that pressure and anxiety. I was thinking about, I have a very good friend that has two sons that want to ultimately make it to the pros. One is in college, one is in his junior year of high school. And one of the terms that she uses is um, showcasing which wasn't a term I was familiar with. Is am I, do I understand that 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 you want to be someplace where you're showcasing? Is that am I, am, is that a terminology, or do I have that mixed up? Yeah, with something? yeah, no, that no, that's you're right, and I write about that in the book because uh, there is a lot of showcases now out there that probably originated 20 years ago. I mean, when they first come out, and there was different organizations that were sending uh, emails or letters to you know players. I was doing individual pitching or hitting instruction with and so I started to go to some of these to find out what they were about you know and and uh you know as in as in everything there, there's some there was some you know good things that were going on and then there were some things that some of the players that uh I had you know that went to them were, were just it was an evaluation more or less uh where they just would like as a pitcher would throw some of the bullpen then he'd throw to maybe three batters and a hitter would would you know hit and then they would take some defense, watch them. They, they would do like a kind of a college or professional workout, and then they would, you know, take notes. And then uh, part of the thing they would say was that there was going to be college recruiters and pro scouts there, and I started looking right. around. And many that I went to, there was not those college coaches and scouts. Oh. There, there, you know, so it was, it was some false hope that you know I, I write about because you know there is some there is some good ones, and I'm sure there's been players get some some offers and recognition from going to these showcases it's just you have to be very 
educated and I and I talk about that so that parents can understand because I hear stories where they'll get these letters and they'll they'll you know ask um, is it something that it, you know really special because they sometimes make the letter you know specific to their son and then it sounds for example I had a player I write about in the book that he ended up his first outing his his varsity first varsity game as a junior he threw a perfect game so he ended up getting a letter from this organization I had heard about. And now there are a huge organization called perfect game. And I thought it was because he threw a perfect game. Why he got this letter. Well, uh-huh. it, wasn't, it was just, it was just that they had, you know, uh, they get some, you know, through coaches or through whatever they get their contacts and, and they, they send them letters. And, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, they, they say things, um, and realistically, it's it's not really uh, like in his case. Uh, I had when he got done with going to quite a few showcases and even some some college camps that where they hoped to get some recognition and opportunities. He didn't have anything after his parents spending thousands of dollars, uh, you know, traveling all over junior senior year. So I I made a call to a co- uh, coach I knew in your area, Cal Lutheran. And uh, he ended mm-hmm. up recruiting the coordinator, signed him there. So I, I had to do that for quite a few players that uh, I had individually coached that went to a lot of these and didn't get offers. And then I would make uh, calls to some coaches to get to get them some college opportunities. I'm curious about something because these two particular young uh, men that my my friend's sons, they are both pitchers. So is showcasing strictly? Or going to showcase is that strictly for pitchers, or you could be the best shortstop in the world or a catcher? Um, does, how does that work if you play a position other than a pitcher? Well, what they do for the for the position players is they'll have them come in and like if you're an infielder, they'll have you take ground balls from from shortstop, and then they'll have you go watch you hit a little bit, and then you'll use they'll play games you know, and they'll give you a couple, two, three at bats. The outfielders, they have them usually throw from right field to third into home to see their defensive skills. And then they'll sure. um, end up end up playing a game where they get one or two at bats. So the big thing is it's very hard to judge somebody in that little amount of time. I, I When I was doing a lot of selection of the Freedom League players, I would have a week-long, um, you know, Camps where were more they were more like a, a instruction camp, and then getting to, to see their abilities plus give them a chance to work on them and improving them and coach them some, uh, rather than you know many of the, the guys would come and they said, well you know it was really hard. I only got to throw ten pitches in the bullpen and then I threw you know one, one inning to you know three three outs. I usually give you I got three outs and and you know uh, as a position player many times you get up and you get one or two bats. It's hard to really show your skills in that time frame. Um, so uh, it, I, I suggest that in the book that it's more of reaching out uh, to colleges and to, um, you know, trying to market your, yourself. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I talk about that in ways to to get uh, some professional opportunities and also, you know, getting somebody that is, is experienced as a sports agent that can market you that's that's more than going that's better than going to the showcases you know because it uh, interesting it, it's, it's hard you know as i explained you can about imagine you being a baseball and, and you know it's very hard to in, in pressure like that plus have to in one at bat or one inning as like you're 
you're telling the two boys is you only get one inning to show your stuff. Where you know, really to evaluate somebody, you, you need to be watching them. Like when when a uh, I do a little bit of you know scouting independently, and, and when I go watch somebody, I'll watch them pitch four, five, six innings, or I'll, I'll watch them hit, and I'll continue to to follow them. It, it's not just based on you know one at bat or one inning of pitching. Good, good. That's 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 good to hear. So. Sounds like your book is designed for a lot of different people. It, 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 that's what I'm getting from you. Is that is it designed? Who who who's your target? Who's your target market here when we talk about who this is designed for? Your book. Yeah, this this is all um, all athletes, all sports. I've, I've, I've written it so it, it you know it, anybody can use it to help them you know know the 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 process to, to continue to play and develop um, and parents and grandparents are really, uh, it's a thing that it's designed to help them understand of uh, is it, is it, what should I have my son or daughter be, be going to this team or, or that team? You know, it, it's, it's very hard to know uh, what to do. You just, as I mentioned earlier, just kind of like spinning out there trying to, you know, do what you think is right to give, them some opportunities and uh so it's 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 i think as one mom read it who's really highly involved with uh, profile sports and has done a lot of things uh, with videoing games you know to help uh some exposure for boys and girls sports she wrote a review after reading said it, it every you know parent that has a child playing sports should should read the book yeah i can see why you would say that uh, I could talk sports with you forever. I want to ask you something that I thought was a bit alarming, and I thought you might want to address this. Under, I, I understand that there was a study by the National Alliance for Youth Sports that showed that 70% of boys and girls ages 13 and older are no longer playing sports. And I'm just curious. I mean, I know we've had COVID. I understand that that certainly has had an impact but are there any other reasons that you think that kids are dropping out of the sports scene today? Yes, it, it was definitely, you know, I, I had seen that in, in many, you know, players that I had individually coached that they, they were, there, there was many that did well, but there were many that didn't reach the potential. And this was pre-COVID. And then I, when I started seeing some of these articles come out, these statistics, it was really eye-opening. It really was, was something also a reason for writing the book because that that's really a shame that right when they're reaching you know their their fun years they they no longer playing and the, 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 a lot of the reasons there's many but some of the the reasons are burnout overuse injuries win at all costs coaching uh, parental pressure. Uh, as we said, not having fun playing the sport anymore, yeah. and and just not developing, uh, you know, and, and just uh, unfortunately that, and that's really sad because they should have opportunities to continue to develop, and mm-hmm. if they, you know, knew the the higher percentage way, as I mentioned in the book, uh, they they will. My goal, you know, is, is to be an advocate and have as many as these boys and girls continue to play because it was a big part of my life. And I think that we want them to have, not have negative uh, life impacting 
which has happened as obviously in that study, 70%. So that's seven out of 10 boys and girls age 13 or are having some negative impact in their life. Uh, of, and then when they get older, wishing that they would have played longer. And, and uh, I think that that's a huge thing that I think is very eye-opening was for me. And I'm sure uh, any listeners uh, really, you can, you can Google that article and read it. And there's other studies, the NCAA has done a similar study that uh, about the same statistics. So I would really recommend uh, uh, really, uh, you know, understanding and, and mm-hmm. uh, hearing those those reasons. You know, that burnout is a is a huge thing when you're they're starting at age six. They're playing too much and playing year round and playing two sports at once. Um, they don't have time to be a kid and then use it at age 13, 14. They start to get in junior high and then they just start driving a little bit after that too. And then they're just like. You know, uh, I've had some parents cry to me. Uh, you know, that, that can I talk to them because they're, they're they quit. You know, and it, it's yeah. really uh, it's it's, That's too it's bad. sad. Yeah, yes, it's, it's it is sad. Be, yeah, it's almost an epidemic where it's going to be. You know, uh, we want them to go on to be good. You know, successful. You know, men and women, and and use their talents. And obviously, many aren't going to play in college and professionally. But we still want them, as you mentioned, you remember your experiences to use mm-hmm. those. Um, they they showed studies that also that women who have played sports in high school and college are have a have a high success rate in uh, you know in working in the workforce, their, their, their management uh, type positions that, that mm-hmm. they have learned life skills of self-discipline and, and uh, you know, camaraderie, social skills, all this stuff, I think is a big part of uh, life lessons that sports teaches. So being able to continue to play that and uh, use that is, is a real thing that I, I want to see them continue to play as long as they can. You know, it's funny. I'm just – I was just at the Dodger game last night, and um, we had quite the game. And I was just thinking about how things have changed over the years. There used to be a time when there was absolutely no equipment in the batter circle. It's like now why they have equipment there. But the other thing that I think is so awesome is there used to be the ball boys. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. We have ball girls now, too. And I not only am a basket a baseball fan, but I'm a I'm a basketball fan. I have been a WNBA Spark season ticket holder since their very first season back in 20, it'll be 26 years. And some of those women have gone on to um, take positions in I'm saying in quotes now the man's world. Becky Hammond and some of these women, Sue Bird, that are do, doing things, you know, that are crossing over. So, I mean, I realize that that isn't necessarily what you're saying here. However, it may be that you come to the end of your road as far as being a champion athlete, but it may not change your desire to still be in sports. And when it means so much to you as a youth, and then you find employment. Maybe you decide to study kinesiology, and now you are the team, you know, team um, sports doctor for your team. Uh, trainers, what I was looking for. So, and there's trainers in baseball. There's trainers in all of these sports. So, I mean, I think it's it's really really cool. And I'm sure you have tons of stories. 
So why don't I let you, I'm going to pitch the ball over to you now, batter up, and why don't you just share a story or two about some of the people that you've come to know in your experience? Yeah, I think I think two of them uh, that really come to mind uh, that, that I write about in the book, uh, one was Carlos Ramirez was a catcher out of Tucson, Arizona, was a really talented catcher and could really hit and uh, uh, ended up, coached him for about three, four years, and then he ended up, uh, he was actually all all Arizona, you know, top player, and then at the end of his four years, you know, had been to some of the you know, different uh, college camps and showcases, and was didn't have any offers, so I called a community college coach that I knew and uh, told him about him, um, and bef- the week before, uh, I had seen a uh, in fact, it was at the time it was University of Arizona a recruiting coordinator because he lived in Tucson. I asked him what he thought of Carlos Ramirez, and he said, well, he thought his arm wasn't strong enough. In, in, in the baseball world, we measure the catcher's arm from home to second. We call that pop time. Is, and 2.0 seconds is, is college and professional level, and he said he was at 2.2 that he had. And I said, well, I've had him many times, and he's he's a lot that 195 and 190, and and then he said his that his body wasn't really you know uh, a little heavy, and for you know, and I said, well, as a catcher, who cares? I said, Yadier Molina and Benji Molina and Ivan Rodriguez, yeah. they they nicknamed him Pudge. I said they both had had big body frames, and and you know, uh, and so he he just you know, kind of shied away. So then a week later I called the community college coach and he, he said, yeah, I haven't come out. So he called me back and he said, he said, I signed him. He said, I, I had him, I had his, uh, you know, for his pop time. He said, uh, tell that coach, if you ever see him, that his stopwatch is off. Oh <laughs> my said. goodness. That's great. And, yeah. Yeah. And he signed him and he ended up, uh, being drafted by the Angels in the 34th round and then wasn't offered enough, so he went back. And the next year, he was a National Community College Gatorade Catcher of the Year and then uh, was offered to play at Arizona State. And as a junior, led back then it was a Pac-10, led the Pac-10 in RBIs right. and second home runs and was was all-region and then took the team at the College World Series to the Final Four and lost to Texas, and then the Angels uh-huh. took him in the sixth round and, and gave him another year of college and a, and a nice signing bonus. They sent him to Orem, Utah, rookie ball, and he helped lead the team to the second half championship. So it was really amazing. And that, as parents listening, that that many times, you know, um, the, you hear out there that well, if he's talented, they're going to find him. Well, I can tell you this: this guy was the most talented catcher I'd seen in Arizona, and and as you know, telling the story, he was he was overlooked and wasn't given any offers until I called this community college. So parents have to really understand that's not true, and and you need to uh, you know like the mentor come into play and, and you know my connections. The other one was a was a player that was talented that I coached to many of them in in little league, and they they had a very talented group that, that fit into this this uh, Scottsdale Chaparral High School, and they won state tournament in eleven and twelve, and I had eighty uh, percent uh, of the kids on that team I'd done individually pitching and hitting with and then this uh two or three years later this uh walker ramsey was was cut his junior year and, and he was one of the top players in little league and, and really it, when i would work with him he had a special way to absorb things i showed him and and uh so his mom had called me and, and said he was real upset and didn't want to go to school anymore and really uh 
you know, was uh, just kind of, it was his life dream to, to, you know, play professional baseball. And that was all he thought shot down mm-hmm. at, the, at that time. So um, she had, told him, got him spirits up. And he said, she told me he was working at the subway after school, if I could stop in and talk to him. So I stopped in and uh, he was real excited and seeing we talked. And, and then I asked, if he, you know, we want to talk about baseball, maybe playing catch. He, he, he wanted no part of it. He's like, no, I'm done. I don't want so I went back again, second time, and same thing. He's like, no, I'm done, Coach. And then third time I told him to come take his break. He made a sub for me. And I uh, said, you know, we can't let one coach hold you back from your dream. Obviously, you know, I, I, I don't agree with what he did. Um, I think that I wouldn't be here if I didn't think that you have, have the talent and the skills to continue to play. And, uh, you know, so let's just give it a try and go play catch. He said, well, let me let me think about it. So he texted me a week later. And we went out and played catch, and it was like just like his whole life had come back and watching him smile and passion and and mm-hmm. arm there. So I, I worked with him once a week, threw up a throwing program, got him in a summer league. He hadn't played for two years, hadn't touched the ball, Marsh, and hadn't played. That's another thing for parents that this you don't need to necessarily you know play all these and follow these things and play in high school. And, and so he, uh, I got him on his college wood bat team, and uh, the coach I knew, and I just told him give him innings. He hasn't played in two years, and he started getting doing well and he struck out like four and two innings and and I remember the, the mom telling me that umpire turned and said, Is anybody videoing this? This kid is striking guys out and he was playing against guys that were that were freshman, sophomore and junior college that already had been playing that play in the summer to get more uh, work, uh, you know, get more, you know, innings in. So when he was ready, I called a community college coach there in Phoenix, and he went out and, and uh, worked uh, worked out for him, and, and he made the team and ended up being one of their starters and was an all-star the second year. And then Utah Valley offered him a full scholarship, a Division One school up in Orem, Utah, and got on a plane in almost five years to the date and uh, flew to, you mentioned University of Southern California, which is one of the top baseball, I think they won the World Series eight times, flew there and came out of the bullpen and, and ended up uh, getting out of a jam, Goes flies back to Salt Lake City, following weekend flies to Sacramento and gets a start against uh, University of Stockton and gets a win. Yeah, so he went on that, that for two years and basically uh, had flew all over and played Division One baseball. Got a Bachelor of Science in, uh, I think, sports or, or business management and has uh, had, had the time of his life and has zero college student loans. You know, I think it's really interesting. My son is a huge sports fanatic, and um, part of his responsibility at the University of Arizona is actually – helping students you can't be a college student if you're not enrolled in school so he he works a lot with the sports programs at u of a i'm going to ask him about the guy you were talking about i don't know what year that was that carlos ramirez was there but um you know you you have to be a student you can't just say i want to play college baseball you you if you flunk out of college you're not playing college baseball so you know you have to be prepared to do to do that Exactly. Yeah. In this case, he had 3.0 good grades. He, he was actually should have been recruited by University of Arizona. And the guy, the coach is no longer there. He left a couple years later. But uh-huh. uh, being like I told the coach, if I was you, I wouldn't let Car- Tucson, uh, Carlos out of Tucson. I, you know, he this this guy can play. I mean, sure. Unfortunately, he he didn't see that. But yeah, and you're right. You, you know, I I stress that that you have to work you know hard on your grades, and and that will open up some academic offers mm-hmm. for you and then you can get some you know some sports scholastics uh but you still you know 
have to uh, have discipline and know how to focus and study because, like in this case with Walker, being that it's cold in Utah, their first you know month of the season, they're playing on the road, they're flying, and then they're doing their schoolwork on the laptops in the hotel room. Right, right. Isn't that well? They surely didn't have that available um, a few decades ago, did they? No. But no, let me they did ask not. you this. <laughs> oh my gosh! So let me. And you know, Joe, it's really funny. I, I know I digress all over the place, but. I live three blocks from Loyola Marymount University, yeah, and it, so it's in my backyard practically. And because you know the metal bats are now the bats of choice, not those wood bats that, right. that my son played with, um, I can literally hear the crack of the ball um, when these guys are taken when they're practicing, and it's like, oh, it's baseball, yeah. I can hear that. That's so cool. It really is great. But I think that um, you have some things that are kind of exciting coming up for you in the future. And I thought before we suddenly run out of time and the game is over, um, why don't you tell our listeners what's coming up next for you? Because it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I think it's been something that, you know, I, I think the next chapter of the life is to really is to get uh, – uh, more uh, uh, on my life in playing sports and the whole journey, uh, and then uh, of uh, doing you know coaching and then uh, starting the Freedom League. So we're going to be doing a documentary that uh, is really you know will be some really great you know we'll share more in depth of my my playing experiences that that mm-hmm. were uh, a, a long uh, I had a lot of great great times, but obviously. You know, I wanted to make it as a major league star and didn't uh, do that. But it it, uh, it it was something that you'll see that uh, of the journey that that sports took me um, with you know being talented in those uh, aspects, and then to let that led on to you know giving me the ability to understand and develop and mentor uh, these players, and then um, you know the the huge undertaking of, of Taking on four, uh, starting four minor league teams and yeah. creating a whole league. You know, usually when you get involved with, um, you know, you own a minor league sports team or you know whether it be soccer, baseball, basketball, or, or a major league team. Usually, you know, you, you get some investors or yourself, and you, you kind of do. Well, I, I had decided I was going to do that, and then I they weren't doing things the way that I thought was. Uh, the vision I had to bring back the game the way it used to be. So I, you know, put together the four teams with, uh, you know, over 112 uh, players and coaches and staff um, that really were, you know, one, one guy drove his pickup all the way from Texas and didn't have air conditioning. And, oh my and goodness. Ended up, uh, yeah, it's just some, just some stories that uh, people will really enjoy that we need to really kind of, uh, uh, get out there for the sports uh, world and, and everyday life. There'll be a lot of, le- a lot of everyday life in the documentary that, mm-hmm. that goes into sports and, and really tells the whole kind of story of, of my journey of, uh, of playing sports. And, and then, uh, you know, like I said, with the, with the uh, many stories of kids that, you know, I could really go on. And then of course, uh, you know, four, four teams, uh, it was like some guys were saying to me, I don't know how the heck you did this. I think you're crazy. You know? <laughs> I just said, well, I see a need for you it. You didn't and sleep I a, at night. I got a passion. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did sleep one night at, at Scottsdale Stadium in, in, in the office. You know, Bruce Bolte moved out and took oh. all his furniture. So I, I needed to just kind of, and I ended up sleeping there, and it was it was so hot in there I couldn't turn the air on because they were controlled oh, by the man. city. So they left the cooler for, for Bruce and uh, we just had the big Coca-Cola. So I opened that door and, and used my bat, my equipment bag and I uh, kept that door open so I could sleep because it was so hot in there. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of stories like that, that were just, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be really an amazing uh, documentary. And I think it, it's something I've been looking forward to that it's, uh, we can get more things out, uh, you know, and, and people can see more of really, I think a lot of people don't really understand all that went on with the Freedom League. You know, it, it, uh, it, we had great times and we had some times where we just had to, you know, dealing with the cities and counties that own these stadiums that we'll share in the documentary that was, it, it, it was kind of tough when you're trying to provide opportunities, even for staff. And sometimes, uh, the politics and things of working with these city and county stadiums was very hard to, you know, difficult to do. I bet. I bet. And, you know, I can remember, because I'm on the other side of the country from you, I, it's, I remember when, you know, it was time for Dodger baseball and spring training was starting. And, you know, I go back to Icon. I go back to Vince Scully. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, I remember when the Dodgers played at the Coliseum before they built – Chavez Ravine, which is now Dodger Stadium. And there's just something so universally appealing about being at a baseball game. And whether you like the sound of the organ, whether you like singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, whether you want that peanut guy to throw you a bag of peanuts, whatever that might be for you, I just I think that baseball is a uniter. And I think this documentary is going to be outstanding, and I really do hope that when it is when it is out and released, that we are back in touch with one another, so that I can share that um, across my social media. But I just I want to just thank you for taking the time, for sharing your story, for allowing me to be anecdotal about a subject that I care about as well. And and to just join me in sharing this with our listeners, it, it's been a an absolute joy. I must tell you, thank you. Well, well, thank you, Marsha. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, being on the show and sharing uh, many things. And, and I think it was a great, uh, you know, connection with your passion, love for sports. And I knew when I had, you know, seen with Elizabeth and you know yes. you had made a comment. I think to Cam or son that I've been coaching and mentoring um, from University of Haven, and uh, I really thought that there would be a connection. I didn't know, you know, seeing that, that but I, I, I knew that you would be, a, you know, with the Born to Talk show, but I didn't know at that time that you were a big, big baseball and basketball fan. So it's, Absolutely. It, it's been, yeah, it's been great. The, the hour just kind of flew by, and, you know, I could just continue to go on and so, oh, many, so many things but as parents they really uh, you know just need to really uh, read the book and, and really uh, reach out at my emails in the back of the book and you know send any yes anything and, and uh, I'm open to help because we need to have these boys and girls continue to play sports we, we can't even with COVID now it's it's made it worse so uh, there's a lot of uh, I think hurting boys and girls that that need to uh, have have some uh, good coaching and mentoring i agree with you joe well 
I want to just thank you. I, I want to wish you the very best as you move forward with your documentary. Um, and um, I will make sure that people know by really by going to the website that you can really directly order the book right there. So it's very simple to order. And um, I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time and sharing what your passion is because when you share your passion, that allows me to share mine. So um, I think it's it's a winning combination. And yes, Elizabeth, thank you. And I I I do value so much our connection to to Elizabeth for um, connecting us because that's pretty special. So I will let you get on with your day. I thank you so very much. Those of you that have been listening, I hope you go out and purchase his book. Maybe you're the parent, maybe you're the grandparent, maybe you're the coach. So until next time, everybody, have a great afternoon. Bye for now.